on uh, earthen vessels, or we've called it vessels of clay, or to get right down to the nitty-gritty, clay pots. And so no, no, uh, if you don't have a gardener, there's no garden. If you don't have a potter, there's no pots. And so we want to look at uh, you and I as these earthen vessels. And maybe uh, this morning we could get someone to uh, read for us 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Uh, Mike, if you'd like to do that for us. The rest of us can turn to Acts chapter 7, book of Acts chapter 7, as we uh, begin to uh, open up the study this morning. So we wanted to uh, look at these vessels... With the idea that God is at work in our lives. God is the potter. There's the clay. There's the wheel. There's the the, uh, potter. And we looked at some of that uh, last week. God is at work. We began to study and look at a few Bible characters. Because the Bible is uh, a revelation of God. God has revealed himself to you and I. And he's done that largely through people. And by working with people and moving through the events of life, we begin to see his hand at work. So just by way of review for a moment, we picked on one character last week. Anybody remember who that was and what the issue was last week as we began to look at these earthen vessels? Brother Lamb over here. Joseph, okay. So uh, what about Joseph did we uh, focus in on? There's, you could go a thousand different directions in his life. Uh, okay. Okay, so Joseph had some uh, problems in his life. Somebody else had their hand up over here? Who else? Focused in on particular aspect of Joseph's life. Somebody else want to join in here? He had some problems. Just uh, raise your hand. That's all you have to do and I'll recognize you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Somebody help us out here. Okay. So he... Had some problems early on in life with maturity. He lacked a little bit of tact, a little bit of grace, uh, a little bit of understanding, a little bit of perspective, a little bit of uh, a lot of things. Okay, And so young people and all of us, what is it we said last week, half the world is under 30 and the other half is trying to act that way. And so uh, we're trying to uh, function. And a lot of times we trust simply in our youth because we're... Uh, vibrant because we're uh, powerful, because we're energetic, because our whole future's in front of us. Uh, uh, we just sort of uh, put it in cruise control and let our lips loose, uh, in particular, as well as our life. And so uh, Joseph learned a lot, and a lot of what God did in his life was through the adversity that came in his life. Okay? Through the everyday events. God was working in this young man's life. God was doing something, bringing him to a place of fulfillment. So I just want to reiterate these scriptures. We gave you Lamentations 3.27 last week. It's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. So there's something about working hard 
and about discipline and about uh, not getting a lot of reward, working for poor wages and different kinds of things. It does something inside of us. And so it's good for a man to bear the yoke. Second Timothy 2.22. We looked at uh, flee also youthful lust, but uh, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace uh, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So it's a tremendous uh, insight there in, uh, in uh, deliverance from the lust of youth that you live with those who have a pure heart and talking about assembling together and being involved with the people of God. First uh, Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, we talked about being carnal. Uh, I'd like to talk to you as uh, mature people. Paul writes, I'd like to talk to you as if you're spiritual, but you're carnal, even babes. And so it's talking about immaturity. And uh, talking about where envy and strife and divisions are, you are carnal, not behaving, and behaving like mere men. So then a couple I didn't uh, get a chance, you can just put these uh, down. First Timothy 3, 6, uh, don't uh, raise a novice in the ministry. Okay, so nobody recently converted, recently involved in the things of God. You don't uh, elevate them to ministry. 1 Timothy 5.22, don't lay hands on anyone hastily or inconsistently or uh, restore someone from a failure without some kind of a time frame for a mending of the nets. And there's a great uh, deal of imagery that's involved there. And so we had these uh, last week. Any question or comment? On Joseph, we, we looked at that and spent a short, ter, a short term, a short period of time dealing with some of those factors. Anybody have a question or comment before we begin to move on? Any other uh, young people that you uh, can think of in the Bible that God uh, used on in life and went through some changes in their life? Anybody think of anybody, any other Bible character that uh, had some things happen? I know, you're, I know it's Sunday morning. This is Sunday morning. It's February. We've already, you'd slept through January. We're already in February. <clears throat> okay. Any other young people in the Bible? Don? Jacob. Okay. Okay, so yeah, here's the, here's the uh, ultimate uh, conniver, and I don't know if you've ever been a teenager, or <laughs> maybe you're raising a teenager, <laughs> and so uh, here's uh, here's uh, this this scam. I mean, every everything that happens has another scam to it, or another there's another facet that you're not picking up. Okay, and so uh, this is Jacob, and so he went through a few events of life. Uh, married uh, somebody and uh, had uh, some strange things go down in his marriage and marriages and then uh, uh, got employed by somebody who's a bigger schemer than he was. Uh, yeah, amen. <laughs> and so uh, there's always someone out there, I'll tell you. And so uh, <laughs> you, no doubt you're going to be hired by them and uh, learn some things. And then he had a meeting with God. Okay, a meeting with God. So God touched him and uh, changed his name and all the dynamics there. Tremendous, uh, tremendous thought. Any, any other uh, figure in the Word of God we can uh, pick on? Yes. King Josiah. Tell us something about King Josiah.
he was very young when he was made the king. They found records. He reinstituted a great deal of reform. Okay? And if we wanted to continue his story, we might end up very differently. Okay? And so here's a young man who's bearing the yoke of youth, had a mentor and different kinds of things happening in his life. And so there's a young man. Another, anybody else? Another young man who was transformed in uh, the events of his life. Yes. David. Okay. Uh, David's very interesting. Uh, tell us something about David. What, uh, what kind of transformation took place in his life? Okay, so here's a young man. Here's this is youth. Okay, and so he's he's got it. He's able to tear a lion inside out, and uh, he's got to favor with God. He has a dramatic, dramatic uh, uh, first half of his life. Okay, and I think we've discussed last week that uh, it's these uh, in between years here. Adversity comes, different kinds of events happen in his life, and those things change us. You're not going through life unblemished. Okay? And so uh, events happen. and They have a, a way of working in our lives because God's at work. Okay? And how it all turns out, many people faint in those, uh, those uh, later years and, and on down the road they get uh, different ideas. Okay? Anybody else? Another young person. Samson. What happened to him? Okay, the honey, the harlots, and the hair. <clears throat> okay, and so uh, different things. So the events are happening, okay? Life's happening to us. If we keep our minds focused, there's a potter who is at work, who is at work in our lives. We had another hand right over here. So here we have Peter. Now, Peter is very interesting. Uh, Peter is a man that's very much in uh, the uh, issues we were talking about last week, very much like Joseph. He has a, he's brash. He's loose with his talk, uh, loose uh, to the point of even pulling Jesus aside from the disciples and rebuking him. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. And so uh, Jesus, it's such an interesting scene in Mark chapter 8 by Peter pulls Jesus aside, and it's like the, the, the disciples are over here, and Peter's rebuking Jesus, and as Jesus looks at the disciples, he decides this is not going to work, and so he rebukes Peter. and says, uh, excuse me, Peter, but uh, you're Satan. <laughs> and so we're not going to, this is not going to work, and so we're going to deal with some issues here. And so Peter had to change. Peter says, uh, <laughs> these other clods, they ain't half as spiritual as I am. That's a classic mark of youth. Okay? These, uh, these other eleven, they don't even, they'll deny it. They're clods. They, they ain't even serving God. But I won't deny you. 
right? I'll die. No problem here. I got my act together. That's a classic with youth. And then he says, uh, Jesus? Je- uh, who? Never heard of the guy. Right? And so he has to change. And it's very interesting that uh, friction. Peter had a fair share of this. A little controversy with the disciples on who's going to be in charge. Right? little friction and a little bit of, uh, it's not unusual. Uh, it causes rifts and ulcers and uh, all kinds of things, friction among people. And uh, by the way, ulcers never got you closer to God. Okay, and so uh, you got to deal with that. By the time Peter writes First and Second Peter, he's a different man. Okay, very different man. In fact, he says these words, cast all your care upon him. He cares for you. Be sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. He says in First Peter five, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, this is the guy that rebuked God. Now, I know none of us had ever done that. <laughs> Thank God, uh, but uh, Peter did. Submit to your elders. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And so we have a number of very classic uh, things here. Second Peter uh, 3.18 Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, so changed and transformed man largely because he walked with God and went through events in life just like you and I. So we want to move on and look at a man who fell off the pinnacle at 40. Okay, this is, this is the, almost the opposite. In Joseph, you have a man who lives in a tent. And so by the time he reaches about 40 years of age, he is now in charge, literally, of the world. He's living in the palace, Pharaoh's palace. That's what happened to Joseph. In Moses, okay, Moses is raised in the palace, groomed to be the leader of the world, and at 40, goes out to live in a tent. As a different set of events, different set of circumstances here. No one goes through life unblemished. And so in the processes of life, God is working. Joseph was transformed, even though he's like us. Okay? And that's why we're studying Bible characters. He is like us. And he's transformed. Okay? So we study Bible characters, and we talked about it last week. Why do we study Bible characters? Okay, this is, this is important. Okay. Okay, because we see ourselves. Okay, we meet ourselves in these people. We meet ourselves because they're like us. Can you say Amen. Okay, they're like us. Now, we have a hard time relating to Joseph. Okay, we have a hard time. We don't see all the ins and outs and all the workings, but we do understand adversity. Okay, how many of you had any adversity in your life? Okay, the rest of you are waiting for yours. Amen. So, yeah, it's coming your way. 
So we study Bible characters because there's a little of each of us, a little of them in each of us, a little of their characteristics, a little bit of who they are we can identify with, and sometimes we can identify a lot. And there's some other reasons why we study Bible characters. One of them is because this is how you begin to learn doctrine. See, you, you think, oh, doctrine, that's just all this dry stuff, all these disconnected and un, unrelated scriptures that you pull out of here and there and everywhere and, and uh, nobody can understand doctrine. You see, when you look at Joseph, you begin to understand a lot of things because God is working. You begin to see how God begins to work in human lives and how He begins to operate. You begin to understand something about His purposes to save and to redeem. You begin to understand something about God's concept of time, that He has lots of time. Okay, You and I are frustrated over time. You begin to understand a lot of different issues in life. And you begin to understand them when you look at characters. You look at real people. It's very interesting and in Romans, as Paul, he wants to uh, talk about being saved by faith. That's how you get saved. You get saved by faith. That's how it works. And so he spends three chapters at the beginning of Romans explaining that uh, these different kinds of people are all sinners. We have the pagans. They're sinners. And we have the moralizers. These are the people that didn't rob Circle K, didn't shoot anybody, didn't kill anybody. They're good people. And, he, and Paul says, they're sinners. And we have the Jews who say, hey, we're chosen by God. And Paul says, they're sinners. Okay? And you're going to make it, you're going to get saved by believing Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, he's talking, he's pulling scriptures out of the Old Testament, he's doing all kinds of things, but in chapter 4, he says, now think about Abraham. Okay? Why... Was Abraham righteous? What did Abraham Abraham find? Our father, what did he find according to the flesh? What did he find in his life? And Paul is able then to say, okay, now here is how it worked. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. That's how he was justified. That's how he got a right standing with God. That's how he made, uh, made heaven his home. It's because he believed God. And this all works out in this human character by a man like you and I, Abraham. So you learn doctrine. You also learn ethics. You learn how to behave by looking at other human beings. So last week we looked at Joseph and he's in Potiphar's house and, and uh, the uh, big eyes begin to flash and uh, I think uh, Brother Renz uh, uh, pulled that out uh, later on last Sunday night. Uh, she went fishing. Okay, She went fishing for the souls of men. That's what she did. That's what all harlots do. And so uh, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? How can I sin again? And so I learned right there in that story, you do not seduce or allow yourself to be seduced by another man's wife. Okay, it's right there. You'll begin to see that and begin to work that out in, in human life. We see that, that this man, Joseph, was not a shirker. You begin to learn the issues of duty. He had, uh, obviously, a stewardship. He had a dispensation. He had something that, that was happening in his life. 
And as you look at Him, you say, you know what? That's how you live for God. This is how you live for God. He's, not a, he's in Potiphar's house. What does he have? He has control of everything. He's not stealing anything. And he's not sleeping with Potiphar's wife. Okay, and so you learn doctrine, ethics, duty, many other things about living for God. Okay, we want to get some scriptures this morning. I want Hebrews 5.8. Somebody very quickly, uh, slip up your hand right here, uh, right there. Uh, Hebrews 5.8. Uh, Randy, right behind you there. Uh, Psalm 117, verse 73. Need Isaiah 29.16. I need Jeremiah 1.5. Who else had their hand up? Slip up your hand again. Woody, if you do that for us. I need uh, Ephesians 2.10. Uh, back here in the back. And uh, who else had their hand up? Uh, Casey, Colossians 3.10. We'll get these scriptures. Rich imagery of uh, God fashioning and forming our lives. This does not stop the moment you get born. God continues to do that and is going to continue to do that. Hebrews 5.8. Okay, though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things he suffered or in a good deal of adversity. Now, what I want you to pay attention to is when, we, when you start using this term suffering, we're not just talking, uh, our minds go immediately to sickness and disease, okay? This is scripture about Jesus. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. Now, one of the things he suffered was not sickness, Okay? Talking about the cross, and the cross is not sickness. Okay? Now, he bore that on the cross, but it's the reproach for you and I. Okay? It's the reproach of living for Jesus Christ. And this, this uh, life brings us adversity, all different kinds of things. You make decisions for God. Okay? And that begins to fashion and work in us. Now, here's the word, fashion or form, uh, in the Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 73. Randy. Rodney. Excuse me. Randy. Rodney. Isaiah 29.16. We'll get that. You get Psalm 119. Okay. So here's talking about the potter working with the clay and the clay's arrogance. Okay. Ever deal with arrogant clay? Who's a potter? I'm sure you have. <laughs> Stupid clay won't do nothing. <laughs> okay? And so uh, I'm, I'm sure God doesn't talk about us that way. But uh, shall we speak back to God? Okay, so here's God involved fashioning our lives. Jeremiah 1.5. Okay, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 119.73. Okay, your hands have made me and fashioned me. In the New Testament, Ephesians 2.10. Okay, created in Christ for good works. Colossians 3.10. According to or renewed and formed in the image of Him who created or fashioned 
our lives. Okay, this occurs in the common processes of life. Any question or comment right here? So we're going to look at Moses right now. Okay, so let me ask you a question. If you don't want to ask me, I'll ask you. Tell me something about Moses' life. Okay. This way and that way. Killed the Egyptian and stuffed him in the sand. Okay. <laughs> okay, the gig's up. I'm, I'm known. Okay, so here's the, uh, the events... There's something driving him to his people as a deliverer, and there are a couple of events that happen, and he runs for his life. Anything else that you know about Moses? You're going to describe Moses in one word. What are some words you'd use? Deliverer, okay? Somebody else? Okay, so his early training was from uh, his own mother about God. Somebody else. I'm going to describe him in a word. What would you use? Hesitant. Okay, there's, <laughs> just describe him in one word. Well, the words are <laughs> confident, maybe overconfident. Okay. Uh, inferior or feelings of inferiority, hesitance. Anybody else want to add a word here? Who's raising their hand up over here? Suki. He was crusader. Okay. Okay, so he's a crusader. He's a uh, cause-ridden or a uh, cause-ridden individual. Meek, meek enough to murder. Now that's interesting. Okay, somebody else wants to jump in, Pete. Self-willed. Okay, anybody else? So we're getting some good good stuff. He has a temper. Okay, now we're getting a little bit closer to where this real, real, the real Moses is going to stand up here. Impetuous. Okay, you guys had it all locked down. One more. Impulsive. Okay, so here's the facts about Moses. He was adopted into the wealthiest of all the families in Egypt. He's educated in the wisdom of Egypt. Perhaps a highly decorated military leader in Egypt. He was the logical choice, perhaps, to follow Pharaoh to the throne. 
And along with Paul and David makes up one of the big three murderers in the Word of God. Okay? F.B. Meyer says Moses was brought up in the palace. He was treated as the grandson of Pharaoh. When he was old enough, he was probably sent to be educated in the colleges which had grown up around the Temple of the Sun. It has been called the Oxford of ancient Egypt. Stephen says Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Something, But Moses was something more than a royal student. He was a statesman and a soldier. Stephen tells us, that he was mighty in words and deeds. Mighty in words, that's the statesman. Mighty in deeds, that's the soldier. The historian Josephus says that while he was still in his early manhood, the Ethiopians invaded Egypt, routed the armies sent against them, and threatened Memphis. His Ethiopians get around. <laughs> uh, Memphis in Egypt, okay. And so, <laughs> in the panic, the oracles were consulted... And on their recommendation, Moses was entrusted with the command of the... ...troops. He immediately took the field, surprised and defeated the enemy, captured their principal city, returned to Egypt laden with the spoils of victory. Okay, here's the man who arrived. At 40, it's on the top of his form. It's a man who arrived, but... Okay? And so we want to uh, look at that. Uh, who's got uh, uh, Acts 7, 24 to 29? Everybody got that? Who will read that for us? Real good, clear, loud voice. Samantha, why don't you do that? <clears throat> okay, so he spent 40 years in Midian. Now, I want you to grasp the reality of what happened. Hey, this is, this is Moses. He is on the top of his form. And so he goes from palace to pasture. Success to failure. Wealth to poverty. Significance, important man, to insignificance. Privilege to persecution. Freedom to felon, useful to useless, man with a great future to man with a grim future. Okay. So what's that do in your life? How many of you ever had a failure? Any of you ever had a failure? <clears throat> what's that do to you? Remember, God's at work in the processes of life. What's failure do to you? <laughs> it helps you think differently about yourself. Okay. We're thinking pretty good things about ourselves. Failure has a wonderful way of causing us to think other things about ourselves. Ah, <clears throat> oh, you can walk through a door because your ego is shrunk. Okay. It's like the story of the man who uh, was uh, in the rain, a hunter out in the rain, and he took to get out of the rain. Uh, he uh, crawled in a log, a hollow log, and he couldn't get out. And so he just uh, began to think of all the uh, bad things he'd ever done in his life. And he got smaller and smaller and smaller and walked right out. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> hey, God might still be involved in this. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a great thought. Amen. That's the thought you need. 
<laughs> so uh, uh, let me. Uh, so where you are on the forty-year time frame uh, determines how you deal with failure. Is that okay? And so uh, if you're in your ni- if you're in your teens and you fail, what's that do? Not much. But if you're forty and you fail, pretty awesome. Okay, Steve. <laughs> Makes you feel like your life is over. Winston Churchill, when he was defeated after the war in an election, his wife tried to console him, saying the defeat might be, in fact, a blessing. To which he replied, If it is, it is very effectively disguised. <laughs> So that's really not what we want to hear a whole lot when we're struggling through this. Oh, this might be a blessing. Okay, so it makes us more dependent upon God. Now, this is a big failure. Okay, so if you here's the, the statistic for all the ladies. If you make it to 52 without breast cancer, have a good chance, better than even, of making it to 90. So you've got another 40 years. Hey, <laughs> some of you are going, oh, no, <laughs> please, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> Forty more years. Ah. You can still do something. Okay, so big failure lets you know that you're like other people. Other people. That's what Elijah said. God, I'm no better than my father's. One man said a good character is more to be praised than outstanding talent. Most talents are, to some extent, a gift. Good character, by contrast, is not given. We have to build it piece by piece. We have to do that through the events of life. Many believers, another man said, are simply frantic over the fact of failure in their lives. They'll go to all lengths trying to hide it, ignore it, or rationalize it. Defeat, it's defeat that turns bone to flint. Okay, so uh, what happened in Elijah or in uh, Moses' life? How did this work out? How did it work out? Okay, so this is this happens. He goes out in the in the desert. What happens in his life? How does it work out in his life? What what changes in him? And don't get spiritual. What changes in him? Because because God's coming back around. We pick up the story 40 years later. We don't know everything that happened. He got married and had two kids. And then 40 years later, the story picks up again. What happens? Okay, something happens in this guy. Okay? Uh, He has no confidence. He resists God. Is that... Anybody else want to add to that? Something happens in him. Okay, so he's uh, running for his life, and so God comes back on the scene and says, I I ain't interested in that anymore. Uh, Can you grasp this? Forty years earlier, he's ready single-handedly to deliver Israel. Forty years earlier. We come back forty years later, and this guy said, now wait a minute. Okay? Anybody else want to add to this? Over here. He did learn how to put up a tent. 
<laughs> and, and so, how did he learn to put up a tent? He had to start at the beginning. He had to actually go out to where the tent goes up, right? Putting in a plug for next conference. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, the more hands, the merrier. Amen. And the more knowledgeable hands, the better. Okay. Okay. So he realized... Okay, realized he needed God. Okay. So, you know, this, there's a guy... I'm gonna I'm gonna put the one word on. I'm gonna call him insecure. Okay, this guy has a hard time. When he goes out to kill the Egyptian, he looks this way and that. Okay, talking about a man who the Bible describes as meek, more meek than any other man, and yet sometimes his emotions run away with him. Now this this is a marker of the insecure individual. When we're, when we're given the image, our image is important to us, then, uh, then here's a man that, that all of a sudden, uh, he's nailed. So you're going to kill me like you did the guy yesterday? All of a sudden, his image is nailed, and boom, he's out of there. He's gone. And they're dealing with the people of God at the, at the, the rock the second time around, and, and so... He, his image, you know, and it's, uh, how long? I, 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 I got to do everything. You guys haven't learned one thing. And so his image is at stake and, and his emotions begin to move, uh, move upon him. The Bible uh, tells us that he was meek, but he was a murderer. Okay, his temper did get a hold and move him. The Bible tells us in, in Hebrews 11, here's a man that, that, that is one of the men of faith. Well, the men of faith. And yet it doesn't say that by faith he killed the Egyptian. Okay? And so we have, uh, you know, have a man who's adopted, uh, raised in a strange atmosphere. That has a great deal to do with your psyche. He's rejected by his own. Uh, they didn't understand it. He made a major mistake. Okay? He made a decision to suffer reproach with the people of God. Now, you have to understand how that decision weighs on you. looks like a bad decision. I mean, you, <laughs> this guy had it made, could write his own ticket, said, no, I'm going to uh, live in a tent. I, can't, I, I would imagine more than one person said, you're a dummy, and probably more than one Jew said that. And this is working in his life, and then failings always reinforce that. Okay, insecurity. Emotions are allowed to take control. Look for the easy road. Okay, because we uh, avoid responsibility. Hey, you're looking at me like, what does this got to do with anything? This has everything to do with our lives because there's countless people that are moving right on up in their destiny and they make a boo-boo and that ends it. Okay? And then from there on, it's resist, resist, resist. Excuse, 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 excuse. There's emotions, and these emotions are still working. Okay? And the easy road, take the easy road, isolation. Many people that are insecure have to uh, recover themselves and have to allow the working of God to move uh, and uh, bring them out of isolation. 
Any question or comment right here? Anybody relate to this? Stir anything in your life? Okay. Very good. So here we are. We are moving for God. Okay. We, we recover our failure. We're moving on for God. But I'm going to tell you, the devil... Uh, he's always looking for an advantage, always looking for an edge, always looking for something to exploit. Okay? And so he comes back. Well, you're still stupid. You're as stupid as you ever were. Okay? Nobody, devil never told any of you folks that. He tells me that. <laughs> Constantly. Okay? And uh, you, you made the mistake your whole life. Who was it that said when you have a massive failure, you feel like your life is over? Okay? So it's over. Well, even if I do try and go again, it's over. Okay? It's finished. It's too big a mistake to recover from. It's too big a diversion. Okay? And the, the and so the devil does that constantly, works on our lives. Anybody else want to add to this? Okay, now there's a tremendous imagery of what the potter is able to do. Okay? And so it's, uh, it's in your weakness that uh, God's made strong. In the scripture that is our foundation, it's that the excellency of the power may be of God. Okay, and this is what God is working through in our lives. We are, are a people that are, are tuned into talent and gifts. Okay, so we say about people, he's so talented, he's so gifted. See, the requirements for ministry have to do with character and other different kinds of things. That the excellence, that that beauty, that that gifting and everything might be revealed as God. God is revealing himself on the earth through human beings. And so here's a, a very interesting character. Moses uh, says, ah, who am I? And God says, who am I? Right? Moses says, what do I have? God says, what do I have? Moses says, uh, well, if they don't believe me. God says, well, if they don't believe me. Moses says, I'm not eloquent. God says, I am. So God's fully, fully capable. Here's a great leader. It's a great leader. But he's great only in the hands of God. And I think that all this stuff in the early years of his life, those are manifestations. His pride, his overconfidence, that uh, boastfulness, those are all the signs of insecurity that are operating in his life. Okay? That, uh, that uh, outward esteem, that, 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 uh, that appearance. Larry Crabb, we all know Larry Crabb, <laughs> said that increasing knowledge of self rarely leads to increasing knowledge of God. So what we need, this man, this great man, is great only in the hands of God. What is necessary is that encounter. That encounter. God is not a distant deity. He is the potter. Okay? You are never very far from a burning bush. You're never very far from holy ground. Never. Okay? Because God is at work in our lives. The issue is to begin to see that and understand that. Uh, here's a, a little poem. We'll close with this. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pick blackberries. Okay? 
God's the potter. And He is at work and He's not far away. Not far away. Okay. Next week, we'll continue on. Lord bless you.